Welcome to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's Body Life Pastor Terrence Ford. I'm excited today. Um, there's a word from God, and um, we're going we're gonna to do what thus says the Lord. Amen. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. Those that have your Bibles, your phones, you don't have either, we bring it to you via straight screen. Amen. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 53, 54, and then we're going to skip down to verse 66 through 72. I don't know about your Bible, but in mine, it's entitled, Jesus Faces the Sanhedrin. I think that's so important to look at. Verse 53 and 54 says, And they led Jesus away to the high priest. And with him were assembled all the chief priests, elders, scribes. 54 says, But Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Verse 66 Now, as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed. Serving girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them. But he denied it again. A little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak second time the rooster crowed then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him right before the rooster crows twice you will deny me three times and when he thought about it he wept you can be seated For a moment, I want to talk to us today from the subject, how close are you? How close are you? How close are you to God? I think it is a befitting question. I believe it is a suitable question for us today. How close are you to God? Are are you like Enoch, who walked with God and was not because God took him? Or are you like Cain? killed his brother, and when God showed up, said, am I my brother's keeper? Are you like the beloved disciple that Jesus loved, John? Are you like Judas Iscariot, the one who would betray him? I say this quite often, but we don't ever want to assume that when I'm asked a question about my walk with God, that me and God, we good. 
You know, you hear people say things like, you know, me and the man upstairs. It's easy for us to gauge what we think, but a good question is, what spiritual barometer are you using to gauge your walk with God by? So, how close are you to God? I want to dive into this text and this sermonic stream today because we all must find our place in this textual setting. But at the same time, we can't be too harsh on Peter because we're all in here somewhere in the text. I think it's imperative. I think it's so important for every single one of us to not only see our flaws, listen to me, but we must have conversation over our flaws while at the same time confess our flaws. Don't you dare miss this because unconfessed, undealt with, and hidden sins, flaws, lifestyles, bills, internal prisons within us that prohibit expansion. She said, say it again, so I'm going to say it again. We have to see our flaws, have conversation over our flaws, and confess our flaws. Because unconfessed, undealt with, in hidden sins. We love calling out the sins of the flesh, but what about the sins of your soul? What about malice and hatred and anger and racism? What about the stuff can't nobody see? Amen. We, we, we love to call it out, but, but, but if we have unconfessed, undealt with hidden sins, they build within us internal prisons that prohibit expansion in our lives. It prohibits growth. And Jesus has been helping Peter these last three years that he's had with him as well as every single one of us to this day. Because Jesus is Lord. With him being Lord, he sees all, he knows all. As a matter of fact, we see tunnel vision, but Jesus sees the bigger picture. He sees everything. Amen. And he's trying to help us because one of our problems and humanity is we see everybody else's problem except ours. The Bible says before you can get the plank out of your brother's eye, you need to get the speck out of your own eye so you can see clearly to help your brother get the plank out of his. It's all about having every day of our lives an internal audit to find or to let God search through us, and if he finds anything that shouldn't be, Lord, remove it. Take it out of me. Because our flesh is something strong to be dealt with. The scripture says, within my flesh, there dwells no good things. As a matter of fact, when it comes to dealing with us as physical beings, the apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth tells us that there are three individuals at play in this world. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, Paul says that there's the natural man, there's the spiritual man, and then in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, Paul tells us about the carnal man. So in this world, every single one of us is going to find ourselves seated at one of these places. Either we're saved with the spirit man, we're saved but we're carnal, which means our flesh drives our life daily, or we're the natural man, we're unsaved. And the power of building a strong relationship with God is to make sure you always have, catch this, a transformative relationship with him. When he reveals, always be willing to change. When God shows, always be willing to change. Seasons change, times change, weather changes, and when God moves, we too must be willing to do what? Not in this text, but in another text, Peter teaches us another valuable lesson. You remember... Jesus was, was walking with the disciples on that old dusty road, and he asked a very important question. Who do men say that I am? And they said, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say John the Baptist, some say one of the prophets. Jesus turns it to make it personal. Who do you say I am? They, Simon Peter speaks up and says, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father which is in heaven and I say unto you, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church. The gates of Hades shall not prevail. And they keep on, and in the same text, around verse 21, Jesus makes a sharp right turn. And he says, all right, a day is coming where I'm about to be crucified. And Peter begins to rebuke Christ. And then Christ turns to Peter and rebukes Peter. Why? Because Peter was not willing to go beyond his previous revelation of who he knew Jesus was. And every now and then, God turns and goes another direction in our lives, and we too must be willing to turn with Christ because wherever he goes, that's where I want to be at. This presents a dilemma for us because in one sense, because Christianity is a lifestyle that must be executed, must be lived out. The Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. Paul went on to say it this way. Paul says, watch this, I discipline my body daily in order to deprive my flesh and its desire so that God's spirit may thrive within me and God's will may be done in and through me. This is so important because what we find many times is, don't miss it, undisciplined folks who call themselves Christians and what they wind up doing is misrepresenting the kingdom of God and misrepresenting the very God that we say we serve. There's a book by Dr. Tony Evans many, many years ago, maybe about 30, 35 years ago, Dr. Tony Evans wrote a book that said, Are Christians Destroying America? I think that is a, a good question. Are we destroying America by how we live confessing Jesus as Lord, but our lifestyle contradicts what we say with our mouth? I preached a message God gave me probably around 10, 15 years ago by now, and, and we broke down a subject that was entitled Church Christianity versus Churchianity. 
<laughs> what many folks may be experiencing is a good old dosage of churchianity. Where we see a form of godliness, it looks like it, it feels like it, 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 it watches, it is the practices of Christianity and church life. It is being too church focused instead of kingdom focused and Jesus focused. In other words, loyalty to the church rituals rather than Christianity and the Lord of Christianity. Listen, church, in this day and time that we're living in, we must stay focused. Can't be lukewarm. Look at somebody and tell them, you can't be lukewarm in this, this day and time we're living in. Y'all quiet. Look at somebody and tell them. Can't be lukewarm in your faith, in your walk with God. You got to get you some backbone. Good old dosage of stability. Point to your neighbor and tell them, you better get you some good old dosage of stability. Y'all better preach with me today, Amen. We can't find ourselves like the Israelites fussing and complaining in Egypt. And when God delivers them, they come to the Red Sea, they're celebrating, but then they fuss and complain again. And when God uses Moses and delivers them again, they get to the other side of the Red Sea and they have a big old party, but it's short lived. Why? Because they were not stable. You got to be stable in your walk with God. Whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley, low, you're going to stand. Come on, you got to get you a stand and say, no matter what I see, no matter what comes, no matter what goes, I'm going to still say thank you, Jesus, and hallelujah. I still got to praise God anyhow. They were unstable because... Once God delivered them, they praised God. And when they started heading to the promised land, they started saying, boy, I want some, some bread. And God sent bread from heaven. And that's not good enough. I want some water. And God broke a rock and water came out. That's not good enough. I want some meat. And God gave them some fried quail. Amen. And that's not good enough. They found something over and over again to complain about. Unstable. Got to get a good old dosage of of, of, of stability in your life. Hallelujah. And stop fussing about what you see and just start celebrating the God that you serve because he's bigger than. Ah. Make sure you are the same no matter where you find yourself at, and that's called stability. Amen. Some of us are lukewarm or have grown lukewarm because in this world, it's tugging at us. It's jabbing at us. It's, it's pulling. It's pulling on us. But we must stand and we must stay strong. Jesus said in Revelation 3 verses 14 through 16 in the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things says, says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of, of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You must choose, church, amen, that you're going to be what God has called you to be and you're going to walk in who God called you to be, amen, because God is looking for some folks that's on fire for his kingdom. But in this text... 
backdrop is set, the, the very purpose and reason Jesus Christ came into this, this sinful world is, is beginning to unravel right before our very eyes. He's told his disciples on a number of occasions about this moment. And there were many times beforehand where the enemy, these religious leaders who were jealous of Jesus, tried to get a hold of him. But the scriptures would tell us his time had not yet come. But now... In our text today, Christ, who is the anointed one who came to vicariously atone for our sins through his crucifixion on Calvary. Hey, now it's in motion. His time has come. He vicariously atones. He came to give his life substitutionally in place for yours. He substituted. He took our place. And what should have been on us, Christ took it and gave us what was on him, what his righteousness. And at this place in our text, the Sanhedrin council has assembled, made up of Pharisees, Sadducees, and chief priests. They were the elders of the church. And there's an illegal mock trial taking place in the wee hours of the morning past midnight. But in the midst of what's taking place, the text takes us aback a little and shifts from the Sanhedrin's trial of Jesus, our Lord. And don't miss it, watch this. The scriptures intentionally turns our attention to Peter. Because when we read the Bible, it is important to see three things. We, we, number one, we must see God. Number two, we must see ourselves. And number three, we must know what God is trying to say to me. Amen. When you read your Bible, everybody say, number one, I got to see God. Number two, I got to see myself. Number three, God, what are you saying to me? There are ten verses of Scripture pertaining to Jesus' trial Verses 55 through 65, Mark chapter 14. And then the Lord turns our attention from the trial of our Lord to a recipient of his kingdom, a young brother named Peter. Peter is one of Jesus' inner circle. Christ, he, he walked with the 12, cared and ministered to the masses everywhere he went. Of the twelve, one of them was the devil, the son of perdition, Judas Iscariot. Three of them were Jesus' inner circle where he would walk with the twelve, and then he has come to a place where he will say, okay, stay here. And then he'll say, okay, I got to move a little Peter, James, John, come with me up a little farther. And he'd carry them a little farther, and then he'd say, okay, y'all stay here, and then he'd go off to himself to pray. They were his inner circle. Peter was one of his inner circle, as a matter of fact. Luke's gospel talks about disciples. It says that there were 70 that Jesus sent out and they came back. Luke chapter 10 verses 17 through 20. And the Bible says the 70 returned with joy, boasting about, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. And the Bible says, Jesus says to them, verse 18, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Watch this pride. They were caught up with a moment of pride. Jesus said Satan got kicked out of heaven for the same reason. He got filled with pride. So watch this. He goes on verse 20 and says, 
Don't rejoice over that, rather. I want you to rejoice that your names have been written. Somebody in this place better celebrate the fact that you gave your life to the Lord and your name got, come on somebody, your name got. Yeah, I got power to cast devils out and all these things, but my name (laughs) has been written in the Lamb's book of life with the blood of, come on somebody. That's what he says you better rejoice over. Hallelujah. But I love it because in John's gospel, the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 66, I'm going, y'all better bear with me today. The Bible says from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Why? You want to know why? Jesus started turning up the fire. When it gets too hot, can't too many folk hang. And at verse 67 of John's gospel, chapter 6, Jesus turns to the 12 and says, do you also want to go away? And here it is, Peter speaks up again and says, where else can we go? We know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You have the words of eternal life. No, we're going to follow you, Jesus. You see, Peter was a man's man. He was quick to speak. He was quick to answer. He was quick to jump. I told you that a a couple of sermons ago, but many of us can reason with him and find ourselves similar to Peter. The problem with Peter at this moment is Peter hadn't been sifted yet. I know, I, know, I know it's not necessarily a good thing because remember G- Peter was saying, Jesus, I'm going to stand and Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, Peter, ho, ho, ho. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you. Anybody know anything about sifting wheat knows that you grab the wheat, the shaft, and you shake it vehemently so that the shaft falls off so that what's left is the wheat. Well, Satan wanted to do the opposite with Peter. Satan wanted to shake the good stuff out of Peter so there wasn't nothing left. But herein is a great revelation because sometimes you must go through your testing to pass on to the next phase. And when you go through your testing to pass on to the next phase, you come out better, you come out stronger, you come out wiser. Come on, somebody. Sometimes the test is, I ain't going to say something, all the time the tests of God are good for you. Good for you. God is trying to teach you something. He's trying to help you learn something. So here it is in in Mark's gospel, chapter 14. Jesus celebrating the Passover with the disciples. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. That Jesus there in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, and here comes the devil. Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss and a Roman guard. Hundreds of Roman soldiers arrest Jesus. Now I love it because before they get going with Jesus. In Matthew's gospel, in Mark's gospel, it simply says when they grabbed Jesus, one of the disciples took a sword and cut off an ear. That's what it says in in, in Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel. I love it because, because in John's gospel, chapter 18, verse 10, John says, Simon Peter. John says, I'm going to put a name with it. It was Peter who drew a sword and cut off a soldier's ear. The Bible says in Mark's gospel, chapter 14, verse 46, that the soldiers laid their hands on Jesus and took him. Verse 50 says, watch this, don't miss it. Then they all forsook him and fled. Fire was getting too hot. Here it is at verse 53. And they led Jesus away to the high priest. 
And with him were assembled the chief priests, elders, and scribes. Don't miss verse 54. We've already read it, but verse 54 says, but Peter followed him at a distance. Seven simple words, but so powerful and so relevant because it reminds me of how some of us walk with God today. It's too hot to stay right here with you, Jesus. So I'm going to follow you from a distance. Because <laughs> if I'm too close, I-, I love you enough to stay connected looking at you. But if I'm too close, what's taking place with you is going to get on me. So I'm going to follow and I'm going to act like I'm looking at other stuff, but I'm I'm looking at you the whole time, Jesus, because I love you, Jesus. I really do. Peter really did love Jesus. You know that, right? He he really did love Jesus. But the Bible says he followed from a distance. (laughs) After Jesus is arrested, all the disciples fled except for Peter, who had the courage to follow the temple guard to see where they were bringing Jesus. My question today is, are you saved in this room? And if you are saved, are you following Jesus? And if you are following Jesus, do you have distance between you and Christ? Scared to get too close. Embarrassed to let folks know that you're in love with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Because Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I would deny you before my Father who is in heaven. God is looking for some bold, bodacious Christians who would take a stand no matter who's around and say, I'm in love with the man that changed my life forever. And I'm not ashamed of it. Paul said in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because nobody could have touched me like he did. Nobody could have changed me like he did. Nobody could have renewed me like he did. And because he did what he did, I'm going to stand and I'm going to tell everybody about him. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. Something is taking place. (laughs) Jesus is on trial. And while Jesus is on trial, something is taking place. Peter is warming himself (laughs) by the wrong fire. (laughs) Peter's warming himself by the wrong fire, trying to dodge conversation. I'm not here to talk. It's just cold out here, and I just want to see what they're doing with my Lord. I want to see what they're doing with my Savior because I really do love him. I want y'all to hear that. He really did love him. And many of us in this room, we really do love him. Amen. So I'm warming myself by this fire. But I got my eyes on what's taking place with Jesus. While I'm warming myself by the fire, Because I've been with Jesus, I can't help it. Everywhere I go, folk want to talk to me. (laughs) There's a conversation taking place that Peter don't want. (laughs) Not with Jesus in the Sanhedrin. We know they talking. They trying to find a reason to accuse Christ. 
this mock trial, amen, illegal, past 12 o'clock at night. Come on, somebody. But there's a conversation taking place with Peter and the onlookers of the trial, and they say, wait a minute. Wasn't you one of the ones with him? <laughs> Peter, Peter said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> and Peter thought he'd gotten away, Brother Rob, Elder Rob. He thought he'd got away. And Peter, so he's still warming. Somebody else, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. You, because I'm, I'm going to tell you something, you can't get in the presence of God and not get changed. You say, I ain't being changed, get in his presence. You say, nothing's happening, get in his presence. Come on, somebody. You say, I hadn't seen nothing, get in his presence. You say, I'm dry, get in his presence. You say, I'm weak, get in his presence. It's something about getting in the presence of God. (laughs) God will begin to do something in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Peter says again, I don't know this man. What are you talking about? You must be confused. No, Peter, you're confused. And he he thought he had passed on for that moment. And then somebody else comes along and said, no, you were one of the ones because your speech deceives you. You talk like a Galilean. You've been hanging with this man so much that what you say sounds like him. What I hear going on in this trial over here, you sound just like him. Peter's, come on somebody, Peter starts cussing. He says, okay, watch this, don't miss it. I got to get out of character so they'll believe me now. So he, he does some out of character stuff. So he don't have to get too close to this fire that's taking place. And so watch this, Peter denied, oh my God, Peter denied verbally but in what ways are you denying Christ? Are you denying Jesus with your lifestyle? Confessing him with your mouth, but your lifestyle portrays something different? As a matter of fact, in Luke's gospel, Luke's gospel, verse chapter, chapter 22, verse 61, it says, when Peter denied him, don't miss it, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. The very moment, the rooster crows. Can you imagine? They smacking Jesus, and in the midst of it, Jesus turns, and he looks at Peter, not to scold him, but just to say, I, I tried to tell you, Peter, you, you, you're, what, you're not quite ready yet, but I'm going to get you there, Peter, because don't, don't forget the text where I told you earlier, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but when you are converted, <laughs> I'm here to tell somebody in this room, God is about to do something in your life that when you bounce back from where you are right now, you're going to have an anointing on your life to come on, somebody. When you're converted, strengthen your brethren. Peter was simply warming himself by the fire as the trial of Christ was taking place. Living in this world, we must be careful of warming ourselves by the wrong fire. And so my my 
word to us today is don't just warm yourself by the fire. But look at somebody and tell them, catch on fire. Catch on fire for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Catch on fire for the one that picked you up and turned you around and placed your feet on a solid ground. Catch on fire for him because he loves you and he got your back no matter where you find yourself at. Catch on fire for Jesus. I thought about this, and I, I thought to myself, man, if, 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 if we were in the book of Revelation, I'm talking about Western civilization, I believe that we would be one of the churches that Jesus would call out. Because we, as a whole, we got some issues. So I believe that if Jesus was writing to us today, he'd say to the angel of the church of Western civilization, all of y'all, I have this against you. Many of you have adopted that BK slogan of Christianity. <laughs> you better preach, girl. Many of us have adopted the BK slogan of Christianity, have it your way or do Christianity your own way, but that's not what I called you to be. I called you to stand out. I called you to be different. I called you to take a stand. I called you to be bold. I called you to love me with all of your heart, soul, strength, mind, and body. That's what God has called us to do, church. But no matter what, he is an amazing God. He is a graceful God. He is a loving God. And no matter how you may fall short, what you got to do is get up and dust yourself off. Hold your head up for Jesus and say, Lord, for you I'm going to live and for you I'm going to die. No matter what takes place, because what I've discovered is there's something that God has put inside of you that's not like anything else on the planet Earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he separated the waters, the heavens. Then he said, let there be light, and he said, ooh, that's good. <laughs> he created the stars, the moon, and the sun, and he said, ooh, that's good. Then he created the tigers and the lion kingdom, and he said, ooh, that's good. Then he gets down to Genesis 1, 26, and he creates man, and he puts his hands in the dust of the earth, and he formed and made you and me, hallelujah, somebody. Come on, somebody. To everything else he spoke, but when he made us, he got his hands dirty. Ah, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this place right now. When he made you and me, he got his hands dirty because he said, I got I to gotta touch this. Hallelujah. And then he said, ooh, that's good, but it wasn't good enough. Then he breathed the breath of life inside of us. I'm telling you in this room today, there is something special about your life. And this is why the devil is after you the way he is. He wants to take the greatness that God has put inside of you and strip it from you. But God is looking for some folks that's going to stand and say, not today, devil. <laughs> because this joy I have, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it from me. <laughs> and I'm going to stand, and I'm going to serve my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And many of us in this room, you may have lost many, many battles, but the war has already been won through Jesus Christ. 
And catch this, catch this, catch this. I'm done, but, but catch this. Don't miss this. I, I did this to the men's group. I sent this out to my whole family not too long ago. This is, this is so good. I ran across this a month or so ago, and I, I thought it was one of the most powerful statements that I had ran across on, on social media. It was on uh, Facebook Shorts. I don't even know who this guy was that was saying it, but he said, no matter who you are, what you're struggling with as an unbeliever, he went on to say this. He says, Christ loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. You can say I'm gay, I'm LGBTQ, I'm alphabet community, but God loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. I've watched pornography, I'm hooked on pornography, God loves you, and wants to have a relationship with you. I've watched, I fornicated, Pastor, you don't know my story, yeah, but God loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. I've committed adultery, God loves you, Christ loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. That's the good news. Now, if you're willing to accept this good news, I got bad news. In the same way that Jesus died for you, now you got to die for him. And if you, watch this, don't miss this. I told the group of men this. If you accept him as Lord and not just as Savior because there's a difference. Amen, somebody. There's many people who are accepting Jesus as Savior, but you haven't made him Lord of your life yet. You have to die to your will. You have to die to your way. You have to die to your desires. You have to, watch this, die to your agenda. And because Christ is a king and not a presidential candidate, we can't rewrite his constitution and make it say what I want it to say. I got to accept his word as this is it all by itself. He's been too good to us. Hallelujah. If you believe Christ has been too good for you, go ahead and stand on your feet. Amen. If you believe we serve a mighty God, stand on your feet and give him a hand clap of praise. Because in this church, when we say his name, I feel something. Somebody go ahead and shout his name. When we say that name, I feel something because there's no other name. What's that name, Jesus? Is it Buddha? Nah. Is it Allah? Nah. Is it Confucius? Nah. Is it Elijah Muhammad? Nah. What name does high praises roll with? Can I tell you who he is? He is the Prince of Peace. He is the ontological answer. He is the ecclesiastical energy. In Genesis, he's the seed of a woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the atoning sacrifice. In Numbers, he is the bronze serpent. In Joshua, he is the unseen king. In Matthew, he is the king. In Mark, he is the servant. In Luke, he is the son of man. In John, he is the son of God. Put somebody and tell them, if you're looking for Jesus, whoop, there he is. His name is Jesus. And there's something about that name. I'm sorry if that's too cute. Let's go old style. He's a bridge over troubled waters. Somebody know what I'm talking about in this room right now. <laughs> He's a friend when you're friendless. He's Jacob's ladder. He's Moses' rod. There's something about the name Jesus. Hallelujah. Just in your little circle, lift your hands and just begin to say, Jesus, Jesus, 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, stir up something and stir up the anointing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Something about that name. Because as I close, draw closer to him. Fall in love with him. Allow him to cleanse your mind, to cleanse your heart. Jesus is who we're talking about. And don't you deny his power. He's able. He's well able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. You may ask or think in this room today, I'm talking about the name of Jesus. Nobody like him in all the earth. How close are you to God today? Hallelujah. Jesus, yeah. Jesus. I feel the Holy Spirit breaking some yokes right now as I speak. Whether it's in this room or somebody watching via television, amen. God is breaking yokes and God is filling some folks right now with his presence, with his anointing, with his power. Hallelujah. Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, if you're here and you're saved, go ahead and thank him for what he's already done in your life. Give him a hand clap of praise for what he's already done. Let let the unbeliever know that he's able to change. He did it for me. He can do it for you. No matter where you find yourself at, I'm telling you, Jesus is able to break strongholds. He's able to break yokes. He's able to break chains. He's able to break addictions. He's able to break bondages in your life. Jesus is able to do it. Do I have any witnesses in the house today? Just lift your hands and tell them, look at me. He did it for me. Hallelujah. But keep on preaching. Tell them if he did it for me, I know he can do it for you too. And that's what we want to offer in this place today. We want to offer Christ to you today. If you don't know him as Lord and Savior, if you're struggling in your walk with him, if you're walking from a distance, if you're serving him from a distance, but you want to get closer to him, this is your defining moment. This is your time to draw in and say, Lord, here I am. I am. Remember he was calling Samuel and Eli said, if you hear his voice again, just say, Lord, here I am. Speak. He's in this room right now and if you hear him calling, come on, just say, Lord, here I am. Speak. Do a work in me, Lord. If you're here and you're unsaved, we do this all the time, but it's the most important part of our worship service. We offer Christ to you. If you're here and you don't know him as your Savior and as your Lord, I'm telling you, no matter what you've done, Lord, I confess my sins. This is what you do. I confess my sins. I ask that you come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for the life that I've lived. I'm sorry for misrepresenting you and your kingdom. I ask that you come into my heart creating me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. And the Bible says he'll do it. You backslid and it doesn't matter where you are. Now the altar is open. If you need a touch from God today, 
you need anything from the presence of God today, you can come and we'll pray with you today. God wants to do a work in you. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.